What's up guys, Connor O'Hanlon here again for another episode of the Con O Show. This is the first episode where I'm shooting both simultaneously on video and recording audio. So, if you are a frequent listener, say on Spotify, uh, you can come over to uh, Connor O'Hanlon on YouTube and that will be the host of the video version of the podcast it's the exact same thing except you get to actually see me while i'm doing it and with that also being said if you are seeing this on youtube for the first time this show has had 16 prior episodes so if you wanted to check these out i've uploaded every single one of them to the youtube channel um with a makeshift video that goes with it or you can now listen to the podcast on spotify Anchor, or the Apple Podcast app. You just look up the Kano Show on either of those, any of those, and you will be able to find it. And if you, ha- if you have trouble finding it, leave a comment. You can contact me at ConnorOhanlon at gmail.com, or ConnorOhanlon13 at gmail.com. You can send uh, suggestions, topics, guests, anything you'd like. Um, any cr- uh, constructive criticism is welcome. So, Today is an episode that I've wanted to do since the beginning of this show. It's been, it almost predates the show. I've wanted to write uh, essays. I've wanted to um, submit things to the paper about this topic. And this topic is about fascism and how Trump represents fascism here in America today. Uh, I'm not going to go extremely into the history of fascism. Maybe that's another episode for someday. Um, the problem with that kind of becomes then like the direct comparisons and being like, okay, well, I have to stipulate that like, you know, they're not all the same. Not every fascist is the same, which is obvious, but just like, you know, any ideology. However, uh, this is an argument about saying that Trump is a fascist. I, I, I believe that. So this video is going and this podcast episode is going to be about that and it's going to be about providing some examples and of course this is uh the reason why i'm making this video is because this is in response to what is going on across the country and specifically in portland um so let's just get right into it let's dive right into um what is fascism and the 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 definition of fascism is a form of far-right authoritarian ultra-nationalism characterized by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition, as well as strong regimentation of society and of the economy, which came in prominence or came to prominence in the early 20th century in Europe. That definition also ignores the fact that there was rises of fascism throughout the world, but yes, of course the first, uh, maybe the first incarnation of fascism came from Europe. Um, great example, uh, well, I don't know if great example is the right way of putting it, but the examples of this would be, you know, Adolf Hitler and Mussolini. Um, these are the examples of fascism, uh, the prime examples of fascism. Um, it's very much tied to the authoritarianism that is what separates, um, you know, general right-wing um, policy. And I would also point out that although I may agree 
uh, with the policy solutions of, say, maybe a populist that happens to be right wing, say, like, you know, more workers' rights or something like that. Usually a right wing populist does not believe in the egalitarian form of that. They believe in, like, you know, for white people or for white men. It's, it's very segmented, and that's what's part of that definition. So part of that definition is... Uh, that's lacking, it's not, it's not there, is that fascism has a very strong hint of uh, xenophobia and racism, generally speaking. It's, it's part of, it's baked into the ideology. So when we talk about people that are fascists, some of them might believe in having universal health care. It's just a fact. Not for everyone, though, or there's like a asterisk, you know, everyone, but it's like not you know, not everyone. It's like the all all men are created equal um, problem. Because it's like, well, that's not the case. It's never been the case, unfortunately. As much as we want to work towards that being true, it's not been the case throughout history. And we're working to make that <laughs> the future. But as of right now, it's just not the case. So I have I have gotten some examples here. But I will point out that just generally speaking... If you just pay attention to the rhetoric of Donald Trump as a right-wing populist, as someone who has uh, cracked down on protesters and cracked down on opposition, you would probably be able to know that he is a fascist if you've been paying attention. But for anybody that is not aware or maybe you've never learned about fascism, this is a good lesson to learn um, because we fought a world war about it and the ideology that it was uh, scare tacticing against was communism <laughs> so it's like we spent a lot of time in in throughout history we learn about communism and some some people think it's more of a threat than others um, you know, I'm not a communist, but I would much rather work with a communist than work with an, a fascist uh, any day of the week because they're not the same. Communism is a form of the of economic um, eco it's an economic policy more so than it is uh, a full political ideology. And, you know, there are ideologies that come from like communism, right? And they stem from it. But generally speaking, it's about the economy more than it is about, you know, social issues. Um, it's not a full, full ideology. So when you talk about um, socialism, communism, Marxism, Stalinism, uh, whatever, like it, every, every down the line, there's all these different sects because left-wing authoritarianism exists as well. That's not what the ideal world would be for most far left people. So that's why it's kind of skewed is because a lot of people that fall into the uh, right wing also fall into the authoritarianism category versus the left wing, which they don't. Most people don't fall into the, to the uh, authoritarianism wing, which leads me to why Trump is the epitome of this form of of government or form of the ideology uh, in America at least let's just start when he announces his presidential run uh, 
first thing is saying, first interview is talking about Mexicans being rapists and drug dealers and all this stuff, right? Despite the fact that that's not true. And secondly, he's talking about this because it's about, he wants to talk about border security and border policy and uh, losing jobs and because trust me, like, I want to protect jobs too, but this is not really where jobs have gone. Um, these xenophobic and racist hints, I, I'm putting that in quotes because they are not hints. You know, it's not like it's veiled. There is no veil. And that's that's the difference a lot of the times, in my opinion, between a Ronald Reagan and a Donald Trump. Um, because... Reagan wouldn't come, wouldn't come out, or Nixon wouldn't, I mean, maybe Nixon would. They wouldn't come out and, like, directly say this. They would say, like, you know, we're going to, we got to stop the war on drugs, or we got to, I guess they're going to start the war on drugs. Um, we got to perpetuate these things because it'll make people safe or whatever. It's BS, and it's thinly veiled, but... It's at least somewhat veiled. <laughs> it's it's not so blatant. It's not literally Trump saying Mexicans are are criminals and rapists, except some, which is the complete opposite. Like literally, the vast majority of people are not that, including the people from Mexico. <laughs> Shocker, and also it's also completely bunk because the um border crossings were down under obama and granted i don't support the deportations that he was doing but i'm just saying generally speaking deportations have been on the decline for years so he comes out and says that right again leading with xenophobia leading with that divide 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 fascists uh, fascists are very good at dividing people and uniting people around um that kind of like that one issue whether it be race or whether it be some other form of like maybe a class dynamic it depends sometimes sometimes it is more based on your class but a lot of times it's about the xenophobia and race um that's like the the wedge and be like look those people are screwing you and you're a real american which He's basically said that, which goes into the second thing, which is the Make America Great Again slogan, which comes from originally the KKK. Um, and this is a romanticizing uh, because when they talk about Make America Great Again, right, they're talking about a specific time period within America. And when they talk about it being great, which, you know, I think America is great depending on what we're talking about. Um, if we're talking about our healthcare system, then no, of course, we're not great. <laughs> We're amongst the worst. But if we're talking about general protections and freedoms and, and just the principles of government that have come from America, then yes, of course, we're great. But he's talk, they're talking about a specific culture, a time period in the culture, which, yeah, maybe in the 1950s it was good for... And I'm, for anyone listening, I'm putting it in air quotes, the average American. So when, when he's saying that, that means white America. 
he's not talking about the people that were oppressed. He's not talking about the people in that were coming out of Japanese internment camps. He's not talking about, uh, just generally speaking, Jim Crow laws still existing. He's not talking about this. He's talking about a, a, an era before the Civil Rights Act and before, um, you know, the ADA and, and so much stuff. Like, they're talking about an era that was only good for a very specific portion of the country. And granted, I support a lot of the economic policies from the 40s and 50s, uh, uh, the, the New Deal. Uh, and the extension of the New Deal, which didn't just end when FDR was gone. But, with that being said, the New Deal wasn't perfect. We've I've talked about it on this channel before. But, your goal shouldn't be to revert to the culture, but ignore the economics. Which is almost the polar opposite of what I, we would want. Or I would want, at least. <clears throat> Because I want economic policy that includes everyone that reflects a former economic policy of the New Deal, but applying it to everyone, not just one culture. This also goes into the, maybe maybe this can't be directly attributed to Trump, but this is, I guess, a slight tangent. Um, the fact is that certain, certain, I would say specifically right-wingers, believe that cultures are inherently one is has to be inherently better than another rather than saying they can coexist some have flaws uh every oh, i shouldn't even say some every single culture has flaws so that doesn't make it so that one is necessarily better than another you might like one more than another i might like a specific type of food or music more than another but it doesn't make one better inherently there's no objective better culture the same way that i don't believe there's an objective morality but a lot of people that follow trump believe that one culture is superior to than another which obviously is going to complicate everything if you believe one culture is best right and of course to them they think uh white christian uh just generally speaking the values of white America. Just totally disregard the fact that, they disregard the fact that um, the contributions to our culture that are specifically from black America or from uh, the Latin community, and like whatever, you know, whatever we want to talk about, like we're talking about Chipotle. Chipotle like is based on uh, not an American cuisine. <laughs> I mean, we're t like rap music um which is the large basically the largest form of music today like there's it goes on and on and on like everything rock and roll music which is like supposedly you know like white america classic rock that come if if we ignore our history and you don't understand that that came from the black community from blues and then it evolved into rock and roll over time and these people like elvis presley ripped off black artists which again you can learn about this if you wanted to but these people don't care they don't care that it was taken from people and made into something else because they didn't have the power and they did
So, sorry for the slight tangent. But, so we go from there, and then we'll, we, can, we can easily just go into the suppression of opposition, which happened at Trump's rallies. He would threaten his own, uh, he would threaten people, and at his rallies that would protest, he would tell them, beat the crap out of them, and I'll pay your medical bills, or I'll pay your legal bills, whatever it is. We don't need them here. We don't need them here. You're like, get them out, get them out, beat them up. And of course, this is an issue. Um, this is literally the suppression of free speech. And granted, if it's a private rally, maybe it's different because it's not exactly the suppression of free speech. You don't have a right to be at, say, a rally. Okay, I'll give that exception. But if the president is saying it, then the president is literally suppressing people's speech. And okay, maybe it's at a private event. F fine. The fact is that he's threatening them with violence. Violence. Not just like, get them out. It's like, no, like, beat the shit out of them. Well, obviously, that's a problem. And then that goes into another uh, example of this is when we had... Uh, in that Lafayette Square, this is a couple weeks ago. So now we're, we're jumping forward a lot. So because if I spent, I could spend probably all day, if I just like Googled, what has Trump done as president? <laughs> you can go through it and be like, okay, this, 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 this. And like most of it is, it's either one, standard Republicanism, because the Republican Party now is the, the, the party of Trump. So we're talking about tax cuts, corporate giveaways, all that stuff. That's, that's standard. But we have like any sort of form of economic populism, any form of social policy that comes out of them, like ending DACA. Again, it's like another one of those things. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And they, they're so stupid that they couldn't even do it right. But like, if he wins again, which again, please go vote 2020. Um, if he wins, but if he wins again, like DACA's done. Like, it's not just protected because of the Supreme Court. That's another misunderstanding. It's protected because of how stupidly they tried to get rid of it. We need to be smart on that. Um, but it goes, it, it, we're fast forwarding because I, I, I don't have, you know, three days to record this episode of just like, just doing like listing this stuff. I would be talking for so long. But it, it really comes down to now we're talking about current day Black Lives Matter protests and wanting to shut them, shut them down and uh, also calling the cities like shitholes and whatnot and calling other countries shithole countries. Uh, of course, these are these are just xenophobic dog whistles because his base likes that and they agree with that. They don't want to change it. They don't want to help people. If 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 you think someone's some place is a shithole, wouldn't you want to help change it? In theory, right? No, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They just want to be like that's the other. That's their problem, not my problem. It's their problem. Just and it, so it goes to the Black Lives Matter protests, and of course they start going after. Uh, George Floyd for being, you know, oh, he's a criminal, he's this, he's that, like every other um, 
example of police brutality that we have the the right always goes to oh what was he doing what was he blah 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 was he um oh he had a gun oh no he didn't actually have a gun whatever they 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 go in they look at they go oh this guy had a criminal history that doesn't fucking matter it doesn't matter because just because you've committed a crime doesn't mean you should die just because you've you are accused of committing a crime doesn't mean you actually committed a crime. Just because you are wearing a hood doesn't mean you committed a crime. Just because you have black skin doesn't mean you committed a crime. But all of these things are signifiers to certain people. And that's the fascists. So, we have Lafayette Square... Donald Trump needs to grandstand. He needs to show that he is a strong leader. He needs to go give a speech. He needs to go hold a, a Bible. And of course, now we're we're mixing that the religious aspect of it, where it's like he's he is stealing a religion that does not stand for what he stands for. Christianity does not stand for what Donald Trump stands for. Do you really think Jesus would be sending the police to beat up protesters? No, of course not. But this is irrelevant. Jesus would never do something like that, obviously. Um, but but he's he goes there because he wants to hold up that Bible and he wants to be like, okay, I'm I'm a strong man. And again, strong man authoritarianism is part of being a fascist. Uh, the only thing that he doesn't do is literally wear like a a military uniform because like that would be st complete stolen valor but i wouldn't be surprised if he did at one point i mean i wouldn't expect him to but i wouldn't be i would it wouldn't be out of question to see him do that so he goes there and he, he sends in the police the federal police to bust up all and tear gas and move all these people out of the front of this church and even the even the pastor of the church didn't want him to do that um i think the pastor of the church got tear gassed and this is just another example of it just so he can get the moral grandstanding of holding up the bible and being like look look at this look at me and then the protests keep going um more and more across the country it's been like 50 days now and we get to portland where portland is interestingly enough um quite frankly i'm glad i'm not there because this is where like a lot of proud boys are there's a lot of those people there they get very like worked up it's the same thing with like I'm glad I'm not in Philadelphia because of the proud boys that are there that were walking around in Fishtown and these white supremacists that were there because these people are empowered right now. So I'm very glad that I'm not there because physically there's a threat to people's lives because of those people. And while we're here, I'll just mention that the leading cause of terrorist acts or the leading group of terror of terrorist acts committed in america are right-wing white supremacists um right-wing nut jobs so we get to portland 
and Portland is always like a hotbed of freaking white supremacists and uh, neo-Nazis and proud boys in the streets fighting with people. And they always want to pick fights with left-wingers. So they call, you know, you can call them Antifa if you want. Antifa's obviously not really a real group. But, you know, because anybody that's fighting against fascism is Antifa. Um, so they fight in the streets a lot. And they clash a lot. And it's really, really telling that Trump overrides the state government, the local government that said like, yo, we don't need the federal police here. We don't want the federal police here. Again, strong man, authoritarianism. He sends in this, uh, this Chad, I think his name is literally Chad Wolf or maybe it's Brad Wolf. I don't know. He's the acting secretary of the department of, um, Homeland Security. And they go in there because they're like, hey, we're going to look at the, the graffiti. We're going to, you know, fix, there's a lot of graffiti we heard. And they send in unmarked police officers that look like soldiers. They're dressed like they're in Afghanistan or Iraq. They're in full military outfits. And the only difference is that there's like a little a little patch that says police. They're in unmarked cars that I think are just rented. They're not like they own the cars. So because, of course, we spend so much money on these police vehicles, it'd be a shame if we actually used them for, uh, <laughs> for policing. Which, of course, like that's not what I'm advocating for. But they're spending more tax dollars on renting these vehicles because they're unmarked. Like... It's, it's like, it's doubly bad. Like, they shouldn't be doing doing this in general. They shouldn't be going out unmarked and doing all this stuff in general. And then they're renting cars after they already bought these all these vehicles and tanks. and So, it doesn't make any sense. Now, it gets to the part where he's sending them in to gas them, to disperse them, to fight them, to beat them up, and to kidnap people. And you might think, oh, yeah, yeah, no, if you're listening to this, you don't, if you haven't followed it, right? Oh, yeah, you're exaggerating, Connor. Like, you, it's not kidnapping. No, if you are in America, you have the right to be told why you are being arrested. You have your Miranda rights. The Constitution exists. They are arresting people in these unmarked cars unmarked vehicles and uh as these police officers they take them in we don't know if everyone gets released we don't know what happens we don't know the processing because it's just not supposed to happen this way it's not this is not how things work we don't know i mean there are there have been people that have been released but they were not told why they were being arrested they just ripped off the streets this is the definition of being unconstitutional. You have a right to be told why you are being arrested. You have a right to a trial. You have a right to uh, be, you have to have warranted search and seizures. 
Um, all this stuff. Just blatantly ignored. And this comes from the party and the person, Donald Trump, that wrapped themselves in the flag and wrapped themselves in the Constitution. And we talk about the flag. This is also the same guy that, that tries to dunk on Colin Kaepernick all the time because he took a knee during uh, the national anthem. And they, they frame it as, that's the hyper, this is the hyper-nationalism part of it. You are anti-American if you knee... Are you taking kneel during the during the national anthem? You're un-American because that's uh, that's the flag. You're you're disrespecting the flag. Despite the fact that kneeling, you kneel when you a lot of people, especially Christians, kneel when they pray, which would be like the ultimate form of, you know, bending the knee and like worship. Of course, ignore that fact. But they it's it's always a a culture fight it's always a culture war because really donald trump isn't an economic populist he uses the rhetoric of an economic populist and that is why it's um it's not as black and white as to say like yeah 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 he's a fascist because he does this 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 because you have to believe that he intends to do what he's saying he is a fascist in the sense of he is rhetorically a fascist. He has tried to do things that are fascist, like sometimes he succeeds, sometimes he doesn't. Like banning transgender people from the military or having a travel ban of Muslim people. Um, like these things have happened and he's tried these things. And these unmarked vehicles and these kidnapping of people is atrocious and we're, again it's like why when i said when we're talking about the make america great again slogan how is this making america great again how is this representative of what the founders would have wanted how is this representative of what the constitution says how is this representative of what the bill of rights ensures every single american not even just americans you don't have to be a citizen to be guaranteed some of these rights but even if you wanted to take it down just to the, like, uh, like I'm, I'm being so generous when I'm talking about like, just, okay, uh, well, even if we tailor it to this, what they mean by this, no, Donald Trump divides and I, I want to say conquers because he basically does states, cities, people, groups, just by being xenophobic, using his rhetoric. And of course, there are people that are so reactionary to him, which is funny to be a reactionary to a reactionary, but there are so many people that are reactionary rather than being proactive and trying to do stuff now and in between. They're so reactive that it gives him credence on some things that are people like, oh, wow, you're just overreacting because it's Trump derangement syndrome, you know, the Dave Rubin effect. No, no, these people are few and far between. And Trump actually has power. Trump is actually the president. The people that are on Twitter, they don't have power. They're not going to be throwing people into a gulag. They have no power. Trump has power. Trump also... Oh, here's here's an example that I didn't even I didn't even think of before I made this video because there's so many examples, but this is this is one of the worst ones. He puts he puts he separates kids from their families. 
and he puts kids in cages, and he puts people in concentration camps at the border. Yes, concentration camps. And we don't fight back. We don't take action. People equate. This is, and this is why, like, I get the frustration of not wanting Joe Biden to be president. I wanted Bernie Sanders, but you're talking about fascism here. Like, this is here. This is now. And if the alternative in an election is, you know, a centrist neoliberal, or even a, you can, I, you know, Joe Biden's relatively conservative on a lot of things. But if that is the alternative to fascism, I'll take that any day of the week, 24-7. Because this is a serious, serious threat. It's not a game. It's not... We can't be LARPing about, oh, you know, we need uh, we need to vote third party or not vote. And I know I, I focus so much on electoralism, and I, and I know I'm, I might be preaching in the choir, generally speaking. But it's really life and death for some people. And, of course, I'd much rather have you know, Medicare for all and a Green New Deal that like, yeah, these things are life and death too. But when the when the fascist is at your door or he's in the house, because he's already in the house, you know, he's in the White House, he's got the power. What can we do to stop him? We have to vote. And we have to win overwhelmingly. Because if we don't win overwhelmingly, then the fascists will try to hold power. You know, Hitler didn't just win an election. Putin doesn't just win elections. These people rig, or, well, Hitler was appointed, but Putin and other authoritarian leaders, and this goes... You know, this goes beyond just the label of fascism, but authoritarian, authoritarianism is the problem. Authoritarianism is the issue. You know, I would, I would be able to bet that if I spoke with some of these right-wing um, populists, I would be able to sway them to come to the left. They haven't heard, they, they haven't heard the arguments of, of a left-wing populist probably being made. Um, they haven't heard anything beyond just the culture war BS that is like Tucker Carlson. You know, the the multimillionaire Tucker Carlson talking about the average guy. Donald Trump talking about the average man. These people don't know shit about the average man. They were born with millions and millions of dollars. And Tucker Carlson is the same way, you know, the their the xenophobia gets them the audience. And but these are the people we're going to have to fight for the rest of our lives, our political lives at least, which for me is probably the rest of my life. Um, so it's not a joke. It's not like a, 
you know, they're the same. It's the reason why I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. They are not the same. The, okay, I'll grant the two-party system is, is dumb. It sucks. But there are, it is a two-party system. That is what exists. You want to work to break it? Fine. Do that on the side. Because we need to make sure that this guy does not hold power. And no other Republican after him holds power. We need to consistently beat them. Because they are the party that doesn't believe in climate change. They're the party that doesn't believe in the economic success of the average person. Or just everybody. You know, being successful shouldn't just be for the people that got lucky and made it. Everybody, generally speaking, everybody should uh, does work hard. And why is it that, oh, only that top 1%, only Jeff Bezos, he gets $13 billion while we're going to fearmonger about the people that make $600 a week from unemployment. You kidding me? He made $13 billion in a day. We're going to complain about the people on unemployment. Come on. These people don't care about us. The, the, the fact is that the people in power don't care about us. Especially in the Republican Party. So how do we change that? We have to change it by voting. And yes, one is better than the other. We're getting better progressives elected, and that's what I want. But I will take a centrist Democrat every damn time over a Republican like Trump, which is the Republican Party now. And I think maybe I have to do a little bit more of a an episode maybe on just like the history of the Republican Party or the history of the parties in general. But Trump is the, he is what they, he's, he is the Republican Party reaping what they've sowed. Since Nixon and Reagan, these people laid down the path for someone like Trump and we're, we might be lucky and this sounds crazy we might be lucky that it's Trump right now and it's not somebody worse somebody that's less uh, incompetent because let's be honest Trump is incompetent he is not bright but he's surrounded by people that enable him to do certain things if Trump wasn't Trump and if it was somebody that was just the uh, average like if it was Ted Cruz which I think Ted Cruz is an idiot. I think he's literally an idiot. Um, but if it was him, he's at least less overtly an idiot that we wouldn't get the Lincoln Project. Which, screw the Lincoln Project. But we wouldn't get the Lincoln Project. We wouldn't get those people. We wouldn't hear from them criticizing because, you know, Ted Cruz has his dog whistles, but... Ted Cruz isn't going to be as blatant or Tom Cotton won't be as blatant as Donald Trump. 
maybe in a couple years they will be. Maybe in a couple years they'll be worse on their rhetoric because they saw this guy get away with it. Because especially if he wins, we're in for it. We're really in for it. Um, and I don't know if we can make it through all of that again. I mean, I would like to think we can. But, like, the tensions here are historical. They're an extreme historical, um, unprecedented times. I mean, we're talking about civil unrest like I've never seen in my life. I'm only 24, but, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty well-versed in history. We're talking about... Only a few times that throughout American history that we've had this type of civil unrest. Like the 60s. Maybe during the Great Depression. Uh, and the Civil War. And, you know, I don't really want to be like acting like a... I'm not LARPing and saying like, dude, there's going to be a Civil War. No, there's not going to be a Civil War. But we're kind of in a cold Civil War. We're in a... A scenario that I I personally feel comfortable talking to people on the other side and being able to have a debate with them and, and discussing them with them. I am not the best debater, per se. I can articulate my points, I think, rather well. So I'm I'm okay with having the debate. It doesn't mean I'm gonna win every debate or whatever. But a lot of people don't want to engage at all. And I don't know how we change minds if we don't engage. And that's not, I'm not talking, like, and you can listen to my cancel culture episode if you, I'm not saying, like, don't get, like, don't deplatform uh, these heinous ideas because I think, like, Alex Jones should be deplatformed. Like, I'm not talking engage with those people. I'm talking about engaging with people that are in your daily life, like, your friends, your family, coworkers, and everything like that. It, it's a lot of work to kind of be like working the body on that. But it, over time, it pays off. Over time, you can change people's opinions and change their minds. It's fulfilling if you get someone to admit that they changed their mind. And like, look, I've changed my mind on things. Um, and... It's just fulfilling when you can get that person to be like, oh, I, I never thought of it that way. And you, you, you figure out something new and that person discovers something new. Like a good example, I always use this rhetoric when I talk to um, libertarians. If you think, and this is not, I'm not talking about, you know, ANCAPs, I'm not talking about the most radical, I'm talking about people that, you know, they consider themselves libertarians, but they believe in some form of government. When we talk about Medicare for all, that's like the antithesis of, of a libertarian argument. But most libertarians believe in the right to life, liberty, and happy, the pursuit of happiness, like Thomas Jefferson wrote. How can you guarantee the right to life if you don't have access to, and I don't mean access in this way that like, you know, you have access to a doctor. No, I mean like you have the ability to go to a doctor and not have to worry about um, going bankrupt because you need to 
go see a doctor. You got cancer and you want you don't want to go bankrupt or or die. And of course, like the Hippocratic Oath, you you you're you have to the doctor has to help people if they're sick, but that system is going to crush people afterwards. So it's very it's very telling to me that I can be like, okay, I can have this conversation with you, but I believe that everyone has a right to life. And morally speaking, I think the government has to guarantee that right by providing healthcare to everybody. And it's like, these, these are the debates that you can have, these arguments that you can have. And you have to understand that who you're talking to. So if we have um, like a, a Trump supporter, sometimes it's not worth it. Sometimes you just don't have that argument. And you have to know when to call it quits. Which sucks. But sometimes you get the, you know, right-wing populace that believes in, you know, healthcare for all. And you can have the discussion of being like, well, you know that that's like a Bernie idea, right? And like, you know, you work the body and being like, you know, uh, you know, Mexicans aren't taking our jobs. We're not, we're, we're not, um, uh, culture is not just white America. It, it, like, you know, there's, the, it goes all the way down, right? I don't have every idea that you can, you can work through on them. But you find that, this is just my suggestion and my advice here in the closing of this episode is, you find the commonality. You take the commonality and you extrapolate it. And you try to be like, look, you believe in this, we can make this happen. That's how we have to do it. We have to build the coalition by changing hearts and minds. And it's not easy. You have to be willing to, and I'm going to say, in quotes, lose a debate. Because some people will never admit that they were wrong or that they, uh, their opinions changed. So you can say that, yeah, yeah, like whatever, I lost that debate, whatever. But you're getting, you're seeping in those ideas. And that's of course coming, you have to come informed and well-prepared. You're discussing, discussing this stuff. Like if you're talking about Trump being a fascist, you know, you have examples. Like that's why I made this episode. You got a few examples. And the examples are infinite. Like, the, he does stuff that's fascist every single day. So it's hard, but it's hard to get it through to some people that um, not only is he bad, but he's doing things that are actively, historically, what we fought wars against. And I'm not calling for violence against somebody. I'm not calling for overthrowing governments, whatever. Because that's I don't support any of that. But he is... He represents an ideology that is antiquated and, quite frankly, dangerous. As we've seen, people die and people get gassed and people get shot with rubber bullets. And, and we still see... We're seeing it right now. I mean, we're seeing it every single day. Because we we were protesting police brutality, so now we have to send in the police to be brutal. I mean, 
it's it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy with that. But with all that being said, I, I'm sure I could sit here and talk for another like hour or so just by myself, which is crazy that I almost just did 50 minutes talking to myself because I would like for you, the listener, the viewer, to suggest topics that you would like to see in the next episode um, or guests that you would like to see me get on. I have started to reach out to some more prominent people that uh, have platforms that I think would be interesting to engage with and ideas that are that are interesting. But being that I am such a small creator right now, it's kind of hard to get the attention of certain people. So if you have certain people that you would like to see, please let me know. You can email me or you can drop it in the comments or you can you know, uh, tweet at me. Please follow me on Twitter. You see that right here on the screen if you are watching. And you can follow me at uh, Con O'Hanlon on Twitter. You can follow the show on YouTube. Connor O'Hanlon is the channel. You can follow the show at Facebook.com slash The Con Show. I think that covers it all. And you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it this far, I really do appreciate that. Um, and I will gladly see you next week. Thank you again.